Hello, welcome to A Place You Call Home, the weekly podcast where I, Denise Rowe, speak to people about what home means to them. Um, we talk a bit about the area or the person um, and what they want home to look like in 10 years time. Um, this week's guest is Mario. Um, we have known each other for a few years now um, and Mario is wanderlust personified. She loves to travel, she loves to experience new places and I thought that she would make for such an interesting guest because she's also a photographer, she's very artistic um, and I wanted to ask her, talk to her about how that influences her thoughts on the concept of home. Um, so I won't keep you for much longer um, and I'll pop in again at the end of the episode to share a few notes and links to the guest's work. Thanks very much. See you soon. Hello, Mario. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Deneen. Um, I realise, do you want me to call you Mario or would you prefer to call me to call you Mario Chuku? Um, Well, most people know me by Mario, but yeah, my full name is Mario Chuku, but Mario is fine, don't yeah. worry. Okay. Um, so, as you know, the podcast has three questions all about home and what that means to you as a concept. Um, but first, tell us a bit about yourself who's mario yeah of course so mario is a photographer so i do a lot of freelance photography um whether that's in london or wherever i am on my travels essentially um i'm also a researcher as well so i've spent the past couple of years working in different uh, institutions um i'm currently working in a think tank in central London, um, where we do a lot of social change projects and interventions as well. So that's been my latest gig. And when I'm not working, I am learning salsa. I love to salsa dance and yeah, learning Spanish is also one of my uh, pastimes as well. And when I'm not doing any of those, I am traveling, but currently I am locally based um, in West London at the moment. Um. So, you are for you. So let's just start with that. What does home mean to you? Yeah, it's a very big question, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, home for me encompasses so many things. And I think over the course of my life, that's just meant so many different, not only buildings, but also experiences and encounters that I come across in my in my day to day. So. I guess if we go way, way back, and when we look at the concept of home or a house, let's say, let's if we start with the building. Um, I wasn't born here, so my family were from Nigeria, and I was born in a village called um, Benin, or a, ta- a city, sorry, I should say, called Benin City. And I was actually born in my uncle's house. So this was during the time of, um, yeah, a lot of conflict that was happening in the country. And in order to be away from that, my mom decided to go and live in uh, Benin City. 
So because of that, that's where I was born. Um, originally, my family were from a town called Umunede. So that's in the southeast of Nigeria in a small, small village, which I like to compare to if you're, I don't know, on a coach from London to Scotland and you have to stop halfway to get the petrol filled in by the, like, get the, the coach petrol filled in. Um, yep. Like you would see maybe a little village, maybe with about an hour away from that. So I would compare like the village that I live or my family are from to something like that. Um, okay. So yeah, it's a very, very, very small village and everybody knows each other. I've only been back once in my life and I would love to go back in the future, hopefully soon, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're from, but I was born in Benin City. And then when I was about nine months old, my family migrated to London. Um, my mom was already um, a London, like she grew up in London, like Peckham is, was her home, was her first home. Um, Oh, so you're the South Londoner by blood, Maria? By, by, by association, I should say. Yeah, my mum and her, my grandma, they all lived in South London. Um, yes. But when they moved back, I we migrated to West to West London. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. I, I'm I'm a South Londoner by association, for sure. Yes. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So I've grown up in West London. I've lived in Acton. My I used to live in Acton. Um, up until I was about 10. And then from there, me, my brother, my mom and dad, we moved to North Alt, which is in zone five. So that's where I would say home has been for the past, yeah, however many years. Um, so for me, I guess home, when I look at it, it's it's less about the building, despite having moved so many times in my childhood, but then also within my adulthood, having, you know, studied in Nottingham, um, having studied abroad as well. So I've, you know, had the opportunities to, to live in Asia, in Hong Kong specifically. And then from there, you know, having the opportunity to live in other countries around the world as well. So for me, it's not so much the physical space, even though physically I have been moving. It's been more about the encounters and the people and the experiences that have shaped, that have shaped me to be the person that I am today. Um, and I think specifically for me, the things that I'm drawn to that remind me of what home could be are essentially the idea of, um, you know, community, collectivism, social cohesion, that family feel, especially ones that are quite familiar to the upbringing that I've had. Um, so I've had a very Nigerian upbringing growing up. And when you think of that, you think of food, you think of music, you think of um, yeah, the importance of family and the importance of sticking together. And I think I'm, automatically attracted to cultures and to people who have that similar um, idea of what it means to be, I guess, um, relying on people within your social networks, specifically family and friends. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't matter where in the world I am, but if I see elements of that and even live there, you know, for a long period of time, I'd go on the odd visit, yeah. but that would still be home to me because of the people that I know and, and the culture that I grew up with. So for me, home encompasses so many different aspects of my life, but I wouldn't say the building itself would be home. I think for me, a house is where you get your basic needs from. So where you eat and where you sleep. Okay. But aside from that, yeah, my house is not my home. My home is my my experiences, your my people. people, the vibes, the, the language, you know, it could be, yeah, just the, the familiar, the familial things that remind me of who I am. So where, 
when was the last time you went back so i remember speaking about you going back to nigeria with your grandmother so was that the last time that you went back yeah to visit? so we went in 2020 um in january was it january i think it was because it would have been just before no so we went back in um in we went back in march actually we came back two days before lockdown started so we just oh. made it just in time before we couldn't leave the country again so yeah that was the yeah. last country i visited um before before lockdown so that was quite special in a way i guess um yeah. but yeah I, that was the last time i was there and what 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 was that trip like like did it because i was on a few um episodes uh when i've spoken to people who find other cities outside of London home, there's a couple of things that come up. One, the airport is not home. Um, you get that, most people get that feeling once they've left the airport and they've either gotten to their final location or they're on their way there. And also for some people, it's like immediate if there's a connection there. But for other people, it takes time. How about yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. I think I'm naturally, and I don't know where this comes from. I, I say it's a God-given gift. Um, but for me, I think for every country I've, I've visited, or actually, let me not say that. I think when it came to visiting countries completely outside of my, not comfort zone, but countries I've, I've never visited before, essentially. Um, yeah it would feel like home straight away. I remember going to Hong Kong or China, let's say China, because this was when I was 16. And then I went to Hong Kong when I was 20. So I went to China with my school. As soon as I landed, I was like, this is, this is cool. Like for me, culture shock isn't a concept. I'm just going to be very honest. I don't get culture shock. I think for me, it's the reverse culture shock of coming back to London that I get. Um, So yeah, when I land, for me, I'm, I feel, well, firstly, I'm just happy to get off a plane um, because yeah. I, I'm not a fan of long flights in the slightest. I hate them, but I do them anyway because the, the end result is, is nice. Um, yeah. But I guess when we go to, when going to Nigeria, when I landed, I mean, the first thing that you, re- you, remember, you realize is, is the heat. Like you, you land and you just, the humidity just hits you right? That's when you realize you're not, (laughs) you're not where, you're not in London anymore. Um, Luckily, not luckily, but compared to uh, Lagos Airport, which is known to be very hectic, we landed in Abuja, so the capital city, which is less hectic and very quiet, well, at the time, quietish. So it didn't really feel like I was experiencing anything different to whether I was landing in Heathrow. Um, but yeah, I think the first instance of realizing I was in Nigeria was the food for sure. Like, I think, um, having family there, it just feels like I'm seeing family, but in another country, I don't know. I just feel like because I know the family that are there, there's no, I don't feel any different in terms of meeting people or even the spaces in the environment. And I think that's just because of my upbringing and being from a diaspora in London where the mannerisms are the same as if I was in Abuja yeah. or in, in Lagos. So for me, there was no element of, oh, I'm in a new country. Like it, it wasn't like, oh, this is, you know, this is completely new um, because it's not. 
like uh, experientially, if that's a word. Yeah, like for me, it was as if I was just going to see countries where, you know, the histories of those places are are very, um, yeah, embedded in the physical spaces. So if you have to describe a place that that you think of as home, what, like, yeah, how would you describe it to me? The buildings, the vibe, the people? Ooh, that's such a big question. Um, <laughs> if I was to describe home, I think for me, home is a place where you are learning constantly about something. Um, it's a place that is safe as well. And that could be safe in terms of the physical building, or it could be safe in terms of the people that you are surrounded by. So that could be, you know, family, friends, people who you feel comfortable to be yourself around. Um, I think for me personally, I'm quite an open person in the sense that I'm very um, open to learning new things and open to share my own experiences with people who are very different to me. Um, I'm someone who thrives in learning about other cultures and not just my own. I think there's all yeah. there's all this element of similarity that lies among everybody. And I think it's just trying to find those similarities and differences in other people um, that kind of, you know, can bring you together or draw you apart, but it's all a learning experience anyway. So I think for me, yeah, home is a place where you're constantly learning and you're in a safe space. For me, I love music. So I think music is definitely an element of home for me. Um, being in, among cultures where music is at the center of your daily life. I thrive in places where music is very vibrant. So Nigeria, for example, um, Cuba, if you go to Cuba, you're hearing music on the street all the time. Um, places, yeah, where, you know, you can just walk and you can just, yeah, not really have a care in the world really. Um, and just, you know, vibing on the street with people, music, um, also food, again, I'm not a foodie per se, but I think mm. learning of, about the history of food and understanding where certain food comes from and seeing the similarities in food and, and the way people receive it has also been interesting. So um, when I was in Mexico for a couple of months, I um, yeah had the privilege of trying out so many different Mexican dishes and I highly recommend people to find a very authentic Mexican restaurant in London, if you can. Um, Good yeah. luck. There, Good there is one luck. in Houston. I can't remember the name right now, but there is one. Um, okay. So yeah, anyway, so one thing that really surprised me when I was in Mexico was just how similar the culture is to Nigerian culture. And I think that's why I, I gelled with it quite a bit. Um, I don't know, I just felt like the mannerisms, even though the language is different, the histories yeah. are very different. Um, but there are similarities in terms of the history as well, in terms of colonization and, you know, what stemmed from that. Um, even the stereotypes which exist between both countries and both cultures or whatever, like, you know, th there are there are things that align between the two countries. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like for me, I just felt like, you know, I'd be talking to 
um, elders in Mexico, even my friends who are Mexican and just realize our upbringing was very, very similar. So I think because of that, I could already have a connection to the people that I would meet every day. I think things like that made me, yeah, realize actually, you know, parts of Mexico can can be considered as home to me, um, especially when you meet people who have come from similar life experiences as well, but just in different parts of the world. So let's stick with that. You are a photographer. Yeah. And you've taken photos so whenever you travel, it's it's always like I feel that like when you you post like, photos online, I feel like I'm sort of on the journey with you. Aww. Especially when there's a few photos, it's like oh okay, Maria's like telling a story here. As and that's like, do you think when you're like going around and, and you're taking photos and you're doing like work, do you think that? affects the way that you view places yeah i would definitely yeah i would say so um i guess when it comes to taking photographs and i think for me most of my photographs lie in the street photography slash documentary vibe yeah this is how people exactly so everything is very much i quote candid so I don't really yeah. ask people to pose unless it's for a portrait kind of thing. Um, yeah. As in, for example, my rap album, which is soon. Dropping soon, soon to a city near you. Yes, I can't <laughs> wait, Denise. <laughs> yeah, we need to do another one of those, actually. Um, but yeah, so I think one thing I'm attracted by is, yeah, is the way that people move around in spaces, for sure. Um, I think a part of that has to do with me coming from London as well. And every time I leave London, I see things that remind me of London or from, or remind me of being in a, in a metropolitan city. So for me, I do like to photograph similarities between cities across the world. So what are those similarities? So similarities could be just the way that people cross the street, like rush hour, for example, very prominent in London, in Oxford Circus, for you know, that's just one place that comes to mind. Like there's a massive crossing outside the station as if you're going towards H&M. Yeah. If you cross, uh, if you compare that to Shibuya crossing in Tokyo, Japan, for example, like yeah. that crossing is monumental, it's very famous. I think that inspired, I think that crossing or that style of crossing inspired the one in Oxford Circus. Oh really? Oh, okay, that would make sense because yes. I remember I going so. to Japan and thinking, wow, okay, this is a very big, like I thought that one in Oxford Circus was crazy. And then I went to Tokyo and I was like, yeah, this is not, this is nothing. <laughs> and then, yeah, even seeing, um, yeah, crossing in Centro in, in Mexico City, which is kind of like the center of Mexico City, they're crossing as well. Like I've always been fascinated by movement in people and especially how crowds interact in a big space. So I'm always capturing photos of that in a street photography style. When it comes to cultural activity, again, coming from a Nigerian background, I've always been interested in documenting parties, uh, documenting, um, you know, family events, um, you know, situations that, you know, have a specific meaning in, in our culture. And then when I see something similar in Mexican culture, for example, obviously I would love to, you know, take photos of that, document that. Um, 
again, yeah, going to Cuba as well and understanding the history of um, the Afro-Cubans and the story of, of the transatlantic slave trade and how it entered in Cuba, but those people coming from West Africa and then taking with them the music, which then influenced salsa and rumba and all of these musical styles now that transcend um, not just the South and Latin America, but, you know, now Europe. Like, I think yeah, yeah. trying to understand that has always, always been a passion and an interest of mine. And being able to do that through photography is, yeah, it's like something that's ongoing and is a dream that I would love to fulfill at some point. But yeah, being able to, I guess, capture those similarities in, um, yeah, culture, but culture that has stemmed from West African culture from my background has always been something I want to uh, document in my images anyway. Um, and then also, yeah, concepts of like what family means in different cultures and contexts as well. Um, yeah, I'm always trying to, yeah, just understand, you know, what what family means um, in different in different cultures and cities as well. So, yeah, I'll definitely say how I view things is definitely inspired from just how I've been living in London, and then just being able to notice the similarities and movement and, and, and environment, I guess. So when you've left London and then you've come back, we've spoken about how you feel when you go, but how do you feel when you come back to London? Do you feel like you're coming home or sort of like, okay, now this part of the journey is over? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. I've had, I don't know why, but I've always had a love-hate relationship with London as a city. Okay. Um, I think it stemmed from having spent a year in Hong Kong because yes. I remember after that trip and I came back I don't think I was the same person <laughs> I think I completely um yeah my my perception of what it meant to be a Londoner changed or what it meant to be someone living in London changed and I think talk about that because that's a big idea being in London is like a big that's a big identity to yeah. have so if that's just yeah it. and I mean it's something that I've acknowledged I've not acknowledged I, I mean, I've accepted it, but I think it's it's something that is is me that I can't get rid. Like I can take the London. What's the phrase? I can take the Londoner out of London, but you can't take the Londoner. I don't know what the phrase is, but basically, I'm still a Londoner wherever I go. Right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that the love hate relationship there kind of stemmed from that, just because I think I just before that I never really traveled too much and you were really young when you went there you were still studying right yes yes so i was in my third year of uni at the time um so yeah because of that i yeah realized i've seen so much of the world london is not the epicenter of the world i think that was kind of my conclusion and because of that i've always had this concept of home is just being wherever wherever activity is that entices me as well as a human being and I think just at that period of my life London wasn't really enticing as a city and I think that just might have been a combination of many things um but yeah I think um yeah because of that every time I now return back to London from a trip it always kind of feels up until recently it's always kind of felt like a break so it's like okay, I'm in London, but now I'm already thinking of, of where to go next. So for me, London has always been that base in terms of 
you know, a, a stop, a stop here, a pit stop. That's the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've lived here for so long. For me, like I said, home is not a stationary place. I think it's something that transcends just where you have grown up your whole life. And I think yeah. because of that, every time I come back, it's like, again, the privilege exists in that I'm able to say that I can always come back to London. London will always be the place that I grew up. Um, but I'm always yearning to go somewhere else. Um, and I think that is just because I am that curious person of, you know, just wanting to see what exists beyond the things I already know here mm. coming back. But yeah. Interesting. So this is this is going to make your answer to the third question really interesting because if home isn't one place it's not a set place the third question is what would you want home to look like in 10 years time yeah I saw this question and I was I was a bit like I I have to think about it because I don't know but I think um again your concept of home changes as you change as you get older um yeah and I think an element of like if I think about in an ideal world yeah do you think you'll be in a city do you think you'll always live in a city let's start with that yes always a city. I think so yes okay yeah and I only say that because I've only ever grown up in a city and I yeah. like the buzz of the city I, I enjoy you, the city life. You have the best of both worlds, don't you? Because you live in a suburb of London. Still very much London, but a suburb. Exactly, yeah. But you spend a lot of your time in the centre. Exactly. So you, you sort of have... Yeah. Okay, so it will be a city. Let's talk about the buildings. Because we find when you go to different cities, the build even just the buildings are different. Like even going to... I went to Oslo, Norway recently, Ooh. and when you're in like the main city, the, the buildings are different, but going outside of the main bit of Oslo, the buildings are all, they were almost, they reminded me sort of a bit of being in Mexico, that like red, that's that sort of ready, like orangey, ready color. Oh, wow. I saw a lot of in Mexico buildings. What are we? What are we thinking? Are you like, like glass? The way sort of London is moving at the moment now, or what are yeah, you I don't know. I feel like the way London's moving is a bit too monotonous for me. Like I think a lot yeah. of the developments now, and I'm not a development expert. I'm not an expert in any of this, but from what I see. And from some yeah. of the houses that I've seen on the outside and the neighborhoods, everything is very is looking very uniform. And okay. for me, I think in 10 years time, I would love to live in an ideal world. I would love to live in a house, like in a detached, <laughs> in a house that's not an apartment, you know? Um, but then that has remnants of history as well. And I think, I mean, we're always living in history or history is always being made, but I don't know, personally, I think the thought of living in a house that has no history behind it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I can make the history 
but for yeah. me it's like I, I want there to be some sort of story behind the house that I'm that I would want to live in or the neighborhood that I would be living in I think yeah living in a place that has shown progression as well um yeah just brings in that element of safety because if you've lived in a place that has you know either recognized the wrongdoings or is doing things to improve the community that they live in and really doing what they can to bring community together then that already you know shows to me that I will feel safe I will feel comfortable living in this space have you seen examples of that that you'd want to poach for your place in 10 years time in London just in general like examples around the world of places that are doing that well um I guess it depends it there are places that I can think of that might do it well so I think for me Mexico um that's just the mm-hmm. one that comes to the top of my head because I I came back from there a few months ago um but every street is has history I mean not to say that every, no street in the world has history but it just feels as though the preservation of the history there is so well kept that you 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 will know the history of that place before moving in because it's in a you know you, you would have read about it somewhere um yeah whether that's in a museum or you know in your travel book or like in something that talks about the history of a place i think forgive me if i'm wrong but i've been to berlin a couple of times as well um mm-hmm. and i think living there is quite would be quite appealing um okay because of again the how can i say just and i'm only talking about berlin i haven't yeah but it gives me that sense of like harm, harmonious living, if that makes sense. Like yeah. no matter where you've yeah. come from, um, again, there's a there's a history there that has brought people to where they are. In Germany, is usually an example that people use of, especially because of the Second World War. Mm. Um, yeah, Germany is usually used as an example of a country that doesn't. Wallow is not the right word, but. They acknowledge this stuff happened yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is this is what happened in this building. Yeah. Now it's a X Y Z, but that's what happened here. Exactly, and I think because of that, it just feels more credible. I think that's the right okay. word um, as a place to live because you the transparency is there. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely put those two as examples for sure. London could do it better. I th- yeah, definitely. There are pockets of it, even in like I'm going to see a play this evening about that um, in Brixton. Nice. Um, I think it's it's. I feel like it's happening in ways, but they're usually sort of high part local again that street art is a really good way of doing yeah. that like looking at i've seen i saw so much of this when i was flat sitting in um east london but going like past old street into bethnal green and seeing almost every road had like you know those sort of spare side walls that you get at the end of a terrace road yeah. 
there was paintings of people or families that made me think oh who lived here or some of them would be like faces of people who grew up Mm. there so I feel like it's happening but it's very much like resident yeah which is fantastic I think that's great that it's resident led just because they made it happen um and I think yeah I don't know maybe it depends on where in London you're based um yeah, some communities are just more cohesive than others. So it really does take community effort to be able to, yeah, really bring a place to life. So I think, yeah, if I were to ever live somewhere or thing, but it kind of just gives you that, that collective, the collectivism, that sense of belonging and um, yeah, knowing that you have somewhere to go back to as well. So people, so where I feel like what I'm, what I'm getting from you is where some people think of home as it's like really, really quiet, really chill, like basically in the suburbs, their space sort of away from everything. You get that feeling from being with people in a community with stuff that's like a, a vibe. There's like stuff happening. That's where you get that feeling yeah. from. And it's really funny now you said that because where I've lived is completely anti that, which is probably why I'm attracted to that kind of space because I have spent, you know, a big chunk of my life living in the suburbs. Um, And it's only recently because of the pandemic where I've actually started appreciating living in the suburbs just because, you know, clean air and it's away from the center. But yeah, I think I'm my most alive when I am surrounded by people essentially so for me as home is where the people are like yeah I think yeah yeah, where the people are um yeah and who are willing to and you could be completely different to me we don't have to be the same or have the same experience but I think it's that your uh your your wanderlust your passion for traveling is it's it's contagious, you know. It it rubs off. I'm always like when I can't I'll come away from seeing you, I'm always like, I used to plan a trip. Aww. I used to be I used to be going somewhere. I've been in London for too I long. So-, <laughs> so Mario, where do you want people to find you? I feel like everyone needs to see your work, your photography. It's amazing. It's been in the Guardian. Your work has been in the Guardian. Yes, it has, Denine. It has. Thanks. Um, so <laughs> where do you where do you want to be found? Um, People want to look at you like. For my photography, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is underscore Mario Chuku. So that's Mario, M-A-R-I-O-C-H-U-W-K-U. And my website is Mario W Ihieme. So i-h-i-e-m for mother e.com so yeah you can find my my work there excellent um well thank you very much thank you for having me it's been a pleasure speaking thank you for hearing is that um thank you mario for joining me you're a wonderful wonderful guest 
um i am now very excited to book another trip um and i hope that you are all too um as said in the episode i will put the links onto mario's instagram and her website in the show notes um you're also welcome to get in touch with me uh, on twitter or instagram my username is short sarky spelled s-a-r-k-y eight eight on twitter and instagram um and thank you for joining me we've got two episodes left um so feel free to get in touch let me know your thoughts how you think it's going um and aside from that i hope that you have a lovely week take care bye